Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up. She's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes. Sally Stegel, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. Yuki. On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet. Scoping. These golden games have their crowning moments. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview as we are just days and days and days away from Beijing 2022. An athlete today who will be competing in Beijing once again. Casey Wright, Australian cross-country skier, competed in Pyeongchang, about to head to her second Olympic Games. And a great chat here with Casey, our first cross-country skier that we have had on, can you believe it, since before Pyeongchang with Callum Watson all the way back before the 2018 Games. And a great chat here with Casey going over her history in the sport, how she got involved, the insane training that goes into the sport and why it's a lot more complicated than it actually seems. And some fun information coming into this about uh, Norway, why they're so damn good at cross-country skiing and and why we need to really just uh, maybe make a sneaky deal with them or two or keep a close eye on them. And also a country that potentially could win some medals in cross-country skiing these Olympics, which you wouldn't think is a country that should should be winning cross-country skiing medals and one that I don't know how I'm sitting with, but we'll find out in this interview. It's a fun chat. You'll learn a lot and you're going to love this chat. Here is our chat with Australian Olympic cross-country skier Casey Wright. We are so close right now to the Beijing Olympics. You can smell the snow. We've been saying that all week with all of our guests because it is so close to being here. And we are so thrilled to be able to welcome another guest on the show today who will be competing in Beijing at her second Olympics. And this is the first time we've actually had somebody from cross-country skiing on since before 
Pyeongchang when we both uh, when we spoke to Callum Watson all those years ago. So I'm excited to be able to get back to this sport. Competed in Pyeongchang, as I said, competed in multiple world championships, Asian Games, bronze medalist, five-time Australian national champion, and we're looking forward to seeing her hit the snow once again to put on the green and gold in Beijing in only a matter of days' time. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Casey Wright. Casey, first of all, pleasure to have you here and off the podium. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting for me as an Olympic fan sitting in uh, you know, a dingy bedroom recording a podcast. What about for yourself? You're at the moment speaking to me from Switzerland, but in a matter of days you're going to be on a plane going to Beijing second Olympics. I mean, how how are you feeling right now? I'm starting to get pretty excited. Um, we're coming to the end of our uh, kind of pre-training camp for the games. And so we've got some really good vibes going throughout the team at the moment. Everyone's starting to get pretty amped and I think we're all just really excited to get there and uh yeah check it out what's in store for us because this is a, a equal biggest cross-country skiing team for australia six of you going to beijing similar to what it was in pyeongchang and to put that into context for people who maybe don't realize what size that is it's the third biggest team australia has at beijing only behind the snowboarding team and the freestyle skiing team so it's mm-hmm. obviously quite a, a big chunk of, and we kind of in the golden age of cross-country skiing in australia right now with so many representatives going to an olympics Uh, I guess so. Um, I don't know. I think we've also just got really lucky um, with our quota spots and kind of like uh, in in Pyeongchang where um, we just got lucky with the count back. And for myself, I ended up being the last athlete of all the countries to get a spot to go. And um, that kind of happened a bit again this year with Hugo as a late addition uh, onto our team. So I think, yeah, we're obviously skiing quite well at the moment. I think also we've just uh, had luck on our side as well. I always love hearing from particularly our Australian winter athletes how they get involved in their sports. Skiing obviously is unique in the fact that there's multiple disciplines. You've got cross-country, you've got alpine, you've got freestyle, biathlon, you know, multiple disciplines. How do you fall into cross-country skiing out of all the numerous disciplines that are available to you? Yeah, so um, both my parents were outdoor ed teachers. So growing up, um, we did everything from going rock climbing in the Grampians or Arapiles to canoeing down the Yarra River. And then weekends, we just spent uh, cross-country skiing at Lake Mountain. So for me, it was actually just a normal uh, activity that we just did on the weekends, especially during winter. Um, It wasn't until I got until I think about middle of primary school when we started going on ski trips that uh, that I actually realized there was another type of skiing apart from cross-country skiing. I thought cross-country skiing was it. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I got introduced to alpine skiing, but still, um, yeah, still loved cross-country. And, uh, yeah, I was really lucky to have um, supportive parents and I got heaps of opportunities to ski and um, just kind of worked my way into it from there or something I loved. And um, it's kind of easy just to, to follow your passion when it's something you want to do. And outside of skiing, were you active in other sports? Was this something that you were constantly doing, just playing a variety of sports like a lot of kids obviously do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I honestly played any sport I could get my hands on, um, yeah, from a young age. And uh, particularly through high school, I was uh, on swim teams, running teams, uh, soccer teams, uh, touch rugby, skiing, uh, go to surf camp, like honestly anything I could do. Um, I wouldn't, it was probably when I was around 16, 17, I think dad sat me down and just kind of said, look, I love that you love sport, but I can't keep doing like 20 (laughs) different sports each week. So you're going to have to pick a few and we're going to focus on those. So, um, 
Yeah, so it ended up being, uh, I think swimming might have got the boot around that time, but I kept up with running soccer and skiing and then uh, kind of just ended up following the skiing pathway. And was the Olympics always sort of something that you were striving towards with some of these sports or, you, you know, like top level competition, like playing for the Matildas, things like that with the, the soccer? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the Olympics was always a goal. It's like, you know, something you watch on TV as a kid, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really know what kind of pathway I was going to go down when I was that age. But, um, yeah, I guess towards the end I was pretty competitive in soccer and, um, and also skiing and uh, was hoping to make it, you know, to the top level in either of those. But I, somehow I've ended up at skiing and I'm – really grateful that I, this is the pathway I've chosen. It's been like a pretty amazing journey. I've got to go to some pretty awesome places and now I'm going to my second games. So, um, yeah, I think I picked the right one all those years ago. I love reading in an interview you did about your admiration for Alyssa Camplin and, and remember seeing her, I believe you were eight in 2002 when she won the gold. I mean, do you sort of remember what it was about seeing her win that gold and kind of, you know, does that – help you when you're skiing, thinking about something like an Olympics a little bit more once you've seen an Aussie top the podium? Yeah, I don't know if I actually ever watched the event, but I remember just seeing her like on a lot of ads in TV. I think there was like a chewing gum ad that she was on. That's um, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And then I um, I think for Christmas that year, I might have been given her like autobiography by my um, by mum. And so I remember just reading that and was like, oh, like she's just like me, um, you know, like, you know, we can, we can do winter sports and, um, you know, and we can do well in winter sports. It's not, it's not such a, I don't know, comical thing that an Australian likes snow. So, um, yeah, I think definitely having her, um, she was kind of our part of our team support, um, in Pyeongchang. And that was just like, yeah, having my, one of my idols, um, in that sort of role. And my first games was just an absolute dream. Um, it was amazing to get to know her and just to be able to have her as, um, you know, to give guidance and support, especially like navigating your way through your first Olympic experience was, um, yeah, really like hard to describe what it, what it meant to me, but yeah, it was really special. And she's back in Beijing, isn't she? As a deputy chef de mission. So, I mean, kind of, yep. do you, do you, go to her still maybe for some, uh, I guess, advice? Uh, you know, she obviously went to two Olympics, so now at your second Olympics maybe there's some extra advice she might be able to help you with at a second Olympics versus a first Olympics? Sure, yeah. Um, hopefully her schedule's not too busy um, and <laughs> she's getting caught up in meetings and all of those things that I guess those, uh, you know, higher um, support people get to do. But, um, yeah, like honestly, like any advice she has to give, uh, I'm always there ready to soak it up. In terms of cross-country itself you know obviously with all the different disciplines of skiing that it's got their unique challenges but with cross-country it's it's kind of the marathon of of the winter olympics and, and things like that but it's it's a lot more than endurance i mean there's obviously high speeds involved there's there's racing there's strategic elements there's so many things about it. i mean what are some of the the challenging aspects of it that maybe some people don't understand when it comes to cross-country skiing particularly say australians who we're only witness to watching this sport every four years when the olympics does roll around yeah, like, yeah, there is a lot more than just like our cardiovascular fitness. Um, you know, particularly now skiing has become a lot more of a power sport. So, um, you know, we are in the gym twice a week, like working on muscular strength and making sure we have the strength to be able to produce that power. 
Um, there's a huge technical side of it. Um, you know, we have two techniques. So we have classic, which is, um, you know, where the skis are staying straight and you're kind of going like this. And then we have skate where we're in that, in that V shape. So I've basically got two different techniques uh, within the one sport and we race both uh, just interchangeably. So we can't really, we can have preferences, but you've got to be able to do both. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we also ski downhills. So we have all the uphill and then we've got to come down and um, we can reach speeds of, you know, 70 kilometres an hour, um, navigating challenging technical downhills um, on, you know, our heel isn't locked in, our heel is free and we're on a lot skinnier ski than uh, a typical alpine ski and no metal edges. So um, definitely that that's, that's a challenging aspect that I think a lot of people might not realise until they put a pair of cross-country skis on and try to walk around. Um, yeah, some... Yeah, de definitely adds extra elements to it just apart from that, you know, aerobic fitness that we need to have. Which when you've got a sport where a sprint is what, like 10 kilometres? I mean, that, that's generally not what a lot of people would consider a sprint, right? <laughs> yeah, so I prefer the sprint events. Um, they're typically around one and a half kilometres, so they take maybe around two and a half to three minutes. Um, but then again, in a sprint day, we do our time trial at the start um, and then the top 30 skiers from that move on to heats. Um, and each time between the heats gets shorter and shorter. So you might have an hour between the qualification and the first quarter final, um, but then between your semifinal and your final, it could be around 10 minutes. So if you're wow. having a good day, you're going to end up racing that course four times. Um, and it can end up, you know, sometimes I'm skiing upwards of 30 kilometers on those days. Um, wow. if I'm making my way through heat. So, uh, yeah, it's a sprint, <laughs> but not a typical, like the hundred meter sprint from the summer games, which a lot of people are used to. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot longer. <laughs> Is there a momentum side to that then too, obviously, if you're saying sort of, as you're going through those with sort of gaps, like as you're saying, if you're having a really good day, can you build on that momentum and that kind of spurs you on as you go further and deeper into the rounds? Absolutely. Yeah. Like the head to head rounds, especially like, you know, once we get through the time trial, that's on interval starts and then we're in head to head rounds and, um, you know, kind of, you know, you might not have the best sprint, uh, the best qualification in that time trial, but then you kind of get into head to head rounds and all of a sudden you've got this like new burst of energy and, um, I don't know, just skiing around people can just, you know, give you that extra 10, 20%, um, and, you know, being able to be around and chase people down, it just kind of adds that extra element as well. So, um, yeah, and, and again, it's, it's getting into that flow as well. And that's why we do lots of races, um, you know, throughout our season so that we get used to that um, kind of momentum of, of working our way through rounds if, if that's where we're getting to. Because, um, yeah, it is a big day. And so you got to work out how you fuel, how you, you know, eating and drinking and, um, you know, managing all of that because you don't really want to get to the end and then just be absolutely cooked and that's <laughs> that's the end of it. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, we try to train a lot for that. But, um, yeah, it's always – and then, again, you just see what happens on the day. <laughs> Which I can then imagine your your gym routine must be all over the place every single week. I mean, there's so many elements that you're saying there that I can imagine you've got to focus on when it comes to that physical aspect. I mean, what's a general gym week like for you? Yeah, so I guess my gym sessions usually go for about an hour and a half each. So um, I tend not to do anything too crazy. Um, I'm one of those 
have one of those body types that just looks at some weight plates and just puts muscle bulk on. I don't actually have to touch it. Um, so <laughs> I tend to err on the side of caution and do more like kind of functional um, strength and do a lot of plyometrics um, to keep that explosiveness, which is like kind of key for sprinting. Um, but then again, there's athletes who, you know, will kind of go on the other end, I guess. Most of it's just working out what your body needs and finding something that works around that. So um, I'm really, yeah, really lucky to have a coach who, um, you know, I've worked with for quite a number of years now who understands how my body responds to training and, um, and reacts, especially to the gym. And we've been able to make like a pretty solid program that um, means I'm not putting on extra muscle mass because ultimately I'm just going to have to carry that up all the hills when I'm racing. So, um, yeah, so I think at the moment it's, uh, it's been working really well. I can also imagine that, I mean, you're mentioning nutritionally, I mean, sort of what is a diet like for a cross-country skier? Like, and I'm guessing it differs right now coming into an Olympics as it would say when you're maybe not quite in certain seasons. I mean, I mean, lots of carbs, lots of things that kind of we're not thinking of when it comes to nutrition. Is it different for a cross-country skier versus some other sports out there that maybe people do connect as being similar? Sure. Um, I don't know if you come and eat dinner with us and the boys on our team, you'd probably be amazed at the amount of food they can consume in a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> like me and Jess, the other female here, we're, we're constantly amazed about how much they eat. Um, but yeah, we tend to make sure we have, you know, plenty of carbs. Um, so, you know, whether that's like rice or pasta or like couscous or something like that, um, protein, um, in whatever form we decide that night. Um, and then, you know, typically if we're, we're doing like longer sessions out skiing, it's really important that we're fueling when we're out skiing. So, um, some people like bars, um, I'm, my kind of go-to is to always have a stash of gummy bears in my drink belt when I'm out training and particularly on race day, they're kind of my go-to snack. Um, so yeah, it's, it, you know, we make sure that we're fueling right. Um, you know, and, you know, it's fine. It's fine to eat, you know, some chocolate or chips or something like that every now and again, you know, moderation is key, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would differ too much to what other athletes eat. I guess it just depends on you know how hungry you are at night. <laughs> I'm just liking this gummy bear aspect of the, the, <laughs> the sport that you can just kind of have this. It's a perfect excuse really to just, you know, sneak them in and have a perfect <laughs> snack while you're out there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, they don't freeze, they don't get too hard, and then but they're not like too soft, so they don't like fall apart in your drink belt. Um, so yeah, it's like my perfect race day snack, to be honest. <laughs> wow. And and do you have potential then for sponsorship? Like we're thinking here, you know, uh, get enough exposure out there during Beijing that there could be some gummy bear companies listening right now that like you could be like Alyssa Campbell and she was for chewing gum. Here you are for I don't know Hasbro gummy bears or something like that. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Send yeah. them my way. <laughs> Done. There you go. That's we're getting these sponsorships uh, loaded up for you. You, I believe, went to, of all places, Alaska for college, mm -hmm. which, I mean, that yeah. must have been an experience. Alaska is a great place, but I, I can imagine for college that must have been very fun to be able to, to go there. And uh, the Seawolves, I believe, is is who mm -hmm. you, were, you were with. So tell us about that experience. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I just kind of uh, spent a season in in America in 2014-15 season. I was skiing with a, um, a professional team in Sun Valley, Idaho. And uh, while I was there and racing on like the, uh, the American circuit, 
um, my coach was like, oh, you're doing quite well. You know, maybe you should look at doing college racing. And to be honest, I had no idea what, what that meant at all. Um, and at US Nationals that year, I um, he kind of lined up for me to meet a few coaches. And one of them was um, Andrew Casting, who was my coach at UAA. Um, and met with him and uh, anyway, finished off that season, came back to Australia and uh didn't get a, a whole lot of positive responses just because I was this Australian, um, wasn't really known for skiing and not many, uh, well, there's only, there had only been one Australian cross country skier before me who had been through the college circuit from like coming from Australia. So, um, wasn't, it wasn't much exposure and anyway, kind of didn't really think much was going to happen with that, but then, Got, got through the end of the Australian season in 2015 and ended up getting this message out of the blue from Andrew again saying, hey, what are you doing in a month's time? <laughs> Do you want to come to Alaska? And I was like, oh, sure. So kind of wow. just uh, got everything in order and just jumped on the plane and headed up north. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but just knew I wanted to ski. And um, at that point I was studying at Victoria University. So knew I wanted to continue with my studies and was like, well, this seems like a perfect opportunity for me to um, be a part of a team that's going to push me to develop as an athlete. And I can also get a university degree on the side. And, um, you know, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do a year. And if I'm not liking it, I'll just come home and uh, ended up doing four years and loved every single bit of it. And then do you get used to the whole situation there where you're having in the winter, obviously, barely any sunlight and then in the summer, barely any uh, daylight, uh, well, the other way around, I should say, barely any yeah, daylight yeah. in the winter and, and that because, I mean, it's a unique thing that if you, you're not prepared for it, that it's kind of very strange, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Like literally the sun doesn't come up until 1030 and it sets about 3.30. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess the lucky thing for us is that we were out training every day, morning and afternoon. So um, unlike most people who literally just get up, go to work, come home, um, who actually don't see the sun at all for the whole day, we actually got outside, got to see it a little bit. Um, uh, I think the hardest time wasn't necessarily in the middle of winter. It was kind of in that fall, like late autumn period where we were still waiting for snow to come. Um, but you know, it was really dark. There wasn't any snow on the ground. And then as soon as it snows, it starts reflecting a lot of light. And all of a sudden it's like, feels like it's, you know, 10 times brighter than it was the day before. But yeah, wow. during that period, we're losing about five minutes of daylight a day, um, which ends up being just over 30 minutes a week. So wow. you kind of like go one, one week you're training at like say eight o'clock. It's like, Oh, this is fine. And then, you know, the next week, same time, you're like, oh, it's pitch black. Oh, <laughs> this is an ideal. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I was there in the summer and I remember being out at a bar and basically having somebody come to you and say, like, oh, we're closing. And you're like, well, it's, it's brightest day. Like, it must only be like seven, eight o'clock at night. It was midnight. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. better go yeah, then. And it's, it's like, strange. yeah, just go through the day at night and then go, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I should probably make dinner. And it's like 10 o'clock. It's like, oh, I should <laughs> yeah. probably go to bed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very strange there. But is that, sort of a route that a lot of people like you mentioned you're only sort of the second Australian to, in that system but is it kind of a choice between say going to North America to do something like that or going to Europe or I mean kind of as a, an Australian cross-country skier is there kind of more of a connection say with one over the other? Um, I guess you know before I did go to Alaska I did uh, two, two seasons in Europe um, and that's, you know, they were my first trips, some of my first trips overseas. And then 
I decided to mix it up a bit um, and then do that season in Idaho um, and then went to college. Um, for me, I was kind of, um, once I had exited the junior kind of ranks and was moving into U23 slash senior racing, um, a lot of the teammates who had had as it on the junior team, they all kind of moved away from skiing. So I was finding that I didn't really have um, a big team around me. And so for me, that was like one of the key things I was looking for, even though we are an individual sport, um, you know, it is having that team aspect is super valuable. Um, and also I think, you know, I, I knew I had these goals of where I wanted to get to in my career. And at that point um, I wasn't really eyeing off the 2018 games. I was eyeing off these ones. And so I was like, okay, this is where I want to be in 2022. Um, what do I need to do to get there? And for me, um, that was kind of the perfect opportunity where I could develop as an athlete and then now like ski in, in the senior ranks on the World Cup and stuff like that. So um, I guess it depends like on the athlete and what they're looking for. Um, I guess each way is fine. It, it just, you know, really depends on what's going to be best for you. One event you did before Pyeongchang, the Asian Games in 2017. Now I mentioned bronze medalist uh, in the women's sprint now now technically though you don't get a bronze medal though do you because australia's invited and we're not allowed to win medals like how is this fair like like do you have to argue the case here it's like I, I should get a bronze medal here this isn't fair yeah that was definitely an interesting experience like crossing the line and being super stoked to get the bronze and at that point we didn't know that we weren't allowed to receive medals um so anyway i finished and I'm putting my clothes back on and then I get promptly notified I have to go to doping control. Um, I was like, okay, well, you know, I've got like ceremonies first and they're like, no, no, no. I was like, mm, I think I do. I just got third. And they're like, no, no, you got to come. I'm like, Oh, hang on. <laughs> and then we go down. It's like, no, no, you just get to pee in a cup and that's it for you. <laughs> I was like, hey, thanks. <laughs> wow. Wow. Which like, it must, it must just be such a, I mean, obviously, you finish third. They can't take that away from you. But, again, you don't get a medal. I mean, and it's not like you just finished third. You finished third by quite a significant distance, right? So it's kind of like, well, where's my medal? Like, it's kind of, you know, I feel like there should be some sort of thing there where if they're inviting us to compete in the Asian Games, like, if we're not eligible for medals, we should get something, right? I mean, do you, do you get anything for finishing third? Uh, I think... I, I think like the kind of support staff were feeling really bad about the situation. So uh, I think I ended up getting like one of the mascots as like a, the team got given like a couple of the mascots as a toy. And so I actually came home and on my hotel, like in the hotel, my door was just covered with like um, bronze medalist Casey Wright lives here. So it was like really nice. awesome to come back to see that. And then they're like, Oh, here you go. Here's a soft toy. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess like, you know, medals are one thing, but, you know, on the inside, you know, that that's what was more important for me. And uh, to be able just to have that result and the feel the way I did on that day, you know, it was kind of one of those days where everything just falls into place. And I think, um, you know, that was definitely more valuable than, you know, a medal a medal when you, when you think back on that. Which, I mean, it's also, I can imagine that opportunity because, unlike a lot of summer sports, there's not really a lot of multi-sport events for, for winter athletes. You know, there's not a winter Commonwealth Games, for example, and, and particularly mm -hmm. for Australia, we don't really have a multi-sport. So for to get invited to an event like that to, I guess, 
almost experience what it's like to be at a multi-sport environment. I mean, did that help you when it came to competing in Pyeongchang a year later to kind of understand what that environment's like if it's different to competing, say, in a World Cup or a World Championship? Yeah, for sure. You know, just some, you know, just, you know, obviously there's the multi-sport aspect, but with any kind of like um, Olympic or AOC run, sponsored team event uh there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in the background that you often don't see and um just you know getting exposed to that um you know from an early point and you know at you know it was obviously an important event but not you know kind of an olympic game standard uh just to have that experience was like super valuable and also got to meet a lot of the support staff who were once again in uh in korea and then i think a lot of them will be again in uh in beijing so just to kind of start making connections get to know faces and um just made my experience when i got to career like a little bit more familiar when it came to the olympics we always love hearing about the experiences outside of of competing uh, you mentioned obviously your goal was beijing you kind of get a bonus olympics going there but do, do you remember sort of those initial moments landing in korea like i mean was there a moment when it kind of hit you that you're that you're an olympian this this is real yeah um I don't think so much landing because I, I traveled from America, whereas the rest of the team was traveling from Europe. Um, so I kind of got to the airport and didn't know where I was going. There was not really anyone there. I think they were running late at that point. So I just kind of <laughs> stood around the airport for a bit, just looking like a lost puppy, I think. I <laughs> uh, then like found my way. Um, but yeah, honestly, I think it all really started to sink in, um, you know, after that first event, after that sprint event. Um, and, you know, Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't quite have the results I wanted um, at those games, but, you know, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to get that experience, um, especially something, you know, experience I can take into these games. Um, but I think the most special moment of that was like actually after the race because my, my parents and my brother were there and was able to jump up in the stands after the race and go up and see them. And I think that that was like the really special moment for me and looking back, like, um, you know, that's when I was like, oh, okay, like this is real. And I got to share this with, you know, with my family as well. So that, that was like a suit. Yeah, that was a really awesome moment. Kind of a bonus moment knowing that unfortunately they're not going to be able to be with you in, in Beijing. So it's sort of yeah. you, you've been able to experience that. I mean, outside of compete, I'll talk about those in a moment. But, uh, I mean, village life, I mean, did you get to do any of the ceremonies? Did you get involved in things like pin collecting, bump into like there's Chloe Kim and Sean White? Like you kind of, you know, going around doing things like that to really soak up the Olympic experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I only ended up racing two events, um, but I, I opted to stay for the entire period. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking back, I'm really glad I did that, especially with kind of the uh, COVID aspect of these games. Um, but yeah, I made sure I went to the opening ceremony, closing ceremony. Um, they were definitely highlights. Um, I guess I didn't interact as much with like internationals um for me it was just awesome to be a part of like the australian contingent um and get to know all of those guys and we had just really good vibes in the village um amongst us and um you know we have the dining hall where all our food is but we also had this like other lounge um that the australian team had set up and you know whenever you wanted something to do you just kind of walk in there and there was always someone up for a chat or to hang out and so that that was a really cool experience uh, I guess I got a few pins, but wasn't super into that. Um, I didn't, didn't come prepared with extra pins. So it's, um, if, if you don't have like your, your stock, then it's pretty hard to get like super into it. <laughs> um, Are you rethinking that for Beijing or is it again, just uh, not really 
you know. No, like I just, I didn't have any weight when I came over to Europe for extra <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my jacket, which I was carrying like on the plane weighed about like 10 kilos of like all the other stuff that couldn't fit in my wow. bag. So, um, really that wasn't on like the high list of priorities of stuff to fit in my bag. But, um, you know, I, I think these games is going to be a lot different, um, especially with just, um, you know, because we won't be like, we're not in Beijing, we're kind of out about, you know, four hours out. So I think just getting to ceremonies is going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, I will be doing more events this year. So, um, you know, I'm probably not going to have as much freedom as I had last game. So, um, you know, I think that's just really good to, to have been to have games previously and have kind of ticked off a lot of those boxes. And now it's like, okay, I've done that. Like, you know, you're, you're all good. You can just focus um, on the racing this time and not have that FOMO <laughs> of, yeah. of missing everything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We heard a lot of that from, say, the Tokyo athletes who experienced Rio and they were told that Rio was going to be a weird game that they look back on it now going, well, okay, well, it's kind of normal compared to what we then experienced in Tokyo. I mean, just on what you're saying about the team, obviously Australia, you know, we've got 44 athletes going to Beijing. I think we had 45 in Pyeongchang from memory. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously a very small team where you can kind of, I guess, connect with these athletes. And again, back to my point where, you know, you don't really go to multi-sport events. So I, I can't imagine your tours and that are, you're interacting much with the snowboard team or, you know, the freestyle skiing, the figure skaters, people like that. So it's an opportunity to, I guess, connect, hang out and share stories because as Australians, we're obviously always in winter sports getting questioned, what the hell are you doing here? You're Australia. You have no snow. And I, I love that on your Instagram profile, by the way. I had to, I had to mention that. Uh, so, I mean, it's obviously a great opportunity to kind of just meet these people and hang out and just, yeah, all come together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, because I had been living, you know, in America for basically two and a half years at that point, um, it was just really good to get reacquainted with Australians um, and spend time there. So, um, yeah, I honestly like that. That was like, you know, definitely a fond aspect that I look back on, um, you know, yeah, like kind of everyone we got, we got the opportunity to interact with um, that. Yeah. Love that bit. Was was there anyone in particular that maybe surprised <laughs> you? Was there like, a, you know, like does Scotty James like tell you a secret or something like that? Or, you know, you've got like Kalani Crane, like giving you figure skating tips or things like that, you know, that you kind of just had to have to share today. Um, I don't think I got any like inside secrets. Um, definitely had a lot of fun with the bobsled boys, um, with the four man crew that was there. They, they were good value. And then, um, it was also awesome just like, because I, uh, we had additional, like, you know, there's six cross country events and although I wasn't competing teammates were, so, um, we're able to get big crews of like other Australians who had finished competing and we would go and watch all the events. And so, Great. um, you know, we had David Morris, Danielle Scott, Laura Peel, uh, I don't know, everyone. <laughs> there was like, I can imagine just David like, oh, Morris coming to an event. That makes yeah. it extra fun having yeah. David there. And, Come on. And that was just like great. And, you know, especially taking them to a cross-country event. They're like, ooh, <laughs> this is not what we expected. <laughs> it's like, you guys are insane. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> wow. And did you then on the flip side, given you owning the two, did you go and check out, say, did you go watch the aerials? Did you go check out some other sports that maybe you don't get a chance to see much? Yeah, for sure. Like, and that's something that I was like making sure, you know, I was still training at that point. Um, so I'd go and uh, train in the morning and then my afternoon was reserved for going and watching events. So I think uh, we watched the aerials final, uh, moguls, uh, and then we ended up going uh, to Gangnam where all the ice uh, events were. And I don't nice. think we had Australians competing there, but 
um, you know, got to see the North Korean cheer squad at the short track and uh, long track and ice hockey. So, um, yeah, just just getting like opportunity to interact in, in all those different events was really cool. Because, yeah, as you said, um, yeah, cross country World Cup is is just cross country um we don't really cross over with other sports so um you know this is really the only opportunity where we get to connect with you know all these other winter athletes from australia and we're still just saying you mentioned aerial finals we're still not over david morris getting robbed in pyeongchang i know it it was very it was very exciting to be there to watch it but like yeah sad sad that we couldn't quite I wasn't able to cross that. that bullshit. Boundary. It's still bullshit. Okay, it's just bullshit. We're, we're we're just still not over it. It's four years later. We're still not over it. Okay, just just saying that. Uh, you got sixty third in the sprint and eighty first in the ten k. Now you mentioned it wasn't necessarily what you were hoping to achieve. Do, do you set yourself a goal? Like, do you kind of go into these events and you give yourself a, a minimum placing that you want to achieve? Is there a time that you kind of do, or is there like a mixture of both? Yeah, um, times not so much just because our conditions can be so variable and depending on uh, like, you know, on the course, on the profile, like how much climbing and descent we have and then also the snow conditions, um, you know, we could do a 10K race and, you know, I did a 10K uh, early this season which took 22 minutes. I've also done 10Ks that have taken almost 40 minutes to finish um, in, in, you know, in poorer weather conditions. So we don't usually focus on the time aspect. Um, you know, as I said, uh, for me, I, I prefer the sprinting events. And so, uh, this, the goal of any sprint is to make that top 30 cut, um, which means you get to progress in the finals. So, um, you know, whether that's achievable or not, I'm, you know, not quite sure, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the mindset I take into every race and that's what I hope to achieve. Um, and if not, then, you know, I, Take, take stock of what I've done and uh, focus on some positives and work out what I need to do to be faster next time. But I can imagine going back to where you're saying that it was never the goal for 2018, it was always 2022, so you've kind of got this bonus Olympics in your back pocket now. So you can go into your what is now a second Olympics, which you maybe thought might have been your first Olympics, with that experience, you know what it's like. And now with additional events that you are doing this time around, do you go now into Beijing feeling better prepared, know what to expect and what then sort of goals do you set yourself when it comes to the events you are taking place in? Yeah, Jess and I were actually talking about this the other day when we were skiing and just like how much more comfortable we were feeling now going into our second games than we felt four years ago. Um, yeah, I like thinking back then, like I was just like shitting my pants <laughs> anytime <laughs> I started thinking about like, oh, you're going to the Olympics. <laughs> and I remember, uh, you know, on the day of my first event, because we were raiding, racing late at night, um, you know, I was just kind of sitting in my room just, you know, just going like my head just like going million miles an hour I remember Alyssa Camplin walked in like how you doing I'm like not good (laughs) she's like all right (laughs) um you know and just to be on that stage where like everyone is watching and you know Australia doesn't usually pay much attention to us on on our usual races and all of a sudden everyone's watching so it's like oh hi I'm here um but I guess yeah definitely like going in now um I think, you know, as well as having that experience from, from Pyeongchang and, you know, over four years, I feel like I'm a much more mature athlete than I was back then. So, um, you know, kind of feel like a lot more I'm able to take in my stride. And I definitely think that once we get there and I'm on race day, the nerves will start coming back again. But um, hopefully I have a bit more of experience now to be able to uh, 
not let them get as get get as much to me as as they may have had in the past. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I guess yeah, that's kind of yeah, it's, it's, it's invaluable the experience that we had, um, you know, from from one games and um, you know, a really close family friend said to me the other day that you know he always thinks that athletes do better like their second world championships or world junior championships so he's like all right well you're at your second olympics now so there's no excuses you just got to go for it so, <laughs> go um, for it. so yeah thanks keeps for that one <laughs> um no excuses it's just got to be better <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that sort of the individual aspect of the sport obviously there is the team sprint how enjoyable is that i'm guessing you're doing that with jess so uh, i mean is it sort of a unique opportunity where you can add a team aspect to it? And is it something that you, I don't want to say enjoy more than the individual side of things, but I mean, enjoy, I guess, in a different way that you can have that experience with Jess, given that you're teammates and you can be in the one event together. Yeah. Team sprint is definitely an interesting event. Um, so basically we do our sprint course, um, but we tag off in between. So we each race it three times. So six times total. Um, so that you tag off. So you only get about, you know, three or however long it takes your partner to ski the course as recovery. Um, enjoyable is an interesting term because it's probably one of the hardest races you'll ever do. Um, you know, Jess and I did our first team sprint together back in 2015 at the World Championships. And I remember us both thinking at the end of that, like, oh my God, I thought I was going to die by the time I got to my last lap. <laughs> so, um, you know, but it is great to have, you know, to have that team team aspect and you know to be out there suffering with someone else who's feeling the same way always <laughs> like helps lessen the pain um but yeah it is a really fun event to do it's just like um you know a, a different a different aspect of skiing and um you know yeah we don't we don't have a lot of team events we have um you know the team sprint and the relay um and unfortunately you know we don't have four women so we, we can't start a relay uh but you know team sprint's kind of the next best best thing so yeah that that's definitely going to be a, an event that i'm really looking forward to for these games and um you know you're going to embrace that kind of pain and you know type two fun i guess you could say <laughs> embrace the pain there's a t-shirt you could sell you know, get it out there to kind of, you know, get some fundraising there. I, one of the events I love when it comes to cross country, just just the name itself, the skiathlon. I mean, that itself just just sells it in it itself. Explain to us the skiathlon. I mean, is it as awesome as it sounds just with that that name? And, and is, is that an event that, uh, you know, we really should be keeping a close eye on? Yeah, well, I personally won't be competing in the skiathlon um, because that that's going to be before the sprint. So I've decided to focus on the sprint, but Jess will definitely be competing. Um, and I think Phil might be competing for the men. So definitely keep an eye out on that one. Um, but yeah, so before I mentioned that there's like two different techniques in, in skiing, in cross country skiing. So there's the classic and the skate. Um, and usually we either race one or the other. Um, and so in, in Korea, uh, we had a classic sprint, whereas this year uh, in, in Beijing, we're going to have a skate sprint. So they usually like alternate what events right. we do except for the skiathlon where they decide, oh, let's just do both events together in the one race. Wow. So um, you start off classic skiing and for the women, uh, they do seven and a half kilometer legs. So seven and a half K classic and then a seven and a half K skate. Um, but the men do 15 kilometer classic and then a 15 kilometer skate. Um, and then, so you've, st everyone starts at the same time. So it's a mass start event. So, um, you know, they could be up to, 
I'm guessing there may be around 70 men racing in this event. So, you know, 70 people all go off at the same time. Um, you know, we are, we are lined up, so it's not just a free for all carnage, um, but there's <laughs> definitely and Derby. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, yeah, so you start off on the classic leg and you finish that, like whatever distance you need to do. And then you go into our special exchange zone and you, uh, before that, you have your skis in the box. So you have your skate skis and poles there. So you ski in, you take your classic skis off, put your skate skis on, change your poles and you keep going. So, wow. um, yeah, it's not one of my preferred events. Um, I will admit my one, my skiathlon experiences have not been the most pleasant experiences of my life. So I'm not super sad to be missing this one, but, um, you know, it definitely does as a, add that extra excitement element, I guess, uh, especially if you, you know, if you're watching and, and, you know, there's a really strong classic skier who's doing well in the classic leg and, and then the skaters get to shine in, in the second leg. So, um, you know, in terms of a spectator, it's definitely one of those sports that's good to watch. I, I get the athlon now. It's like triathlon, you know, kind of you, you're doing yeah. the, the I was going to ask, like, is it one of these events where you can start off on the skate and finish on the on the classical, but you've obviously got to do it in order. So you can't sort of alternate and just, you know, turn it up a little bit halfway through the event. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, it's all set. Um, and then, you know, tip it, usually we ski in like either a skate boot or a classic boot, but we – you know, we can't really just use a skate boot while classic skiing or a classic boot while skate skiing. So um, they make lovely skiathlon boots, which are uh, not the best for classic and not the best for skate. They're somewhere in the middle. So you just kind of have to make do with it. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting sport. And then, you know, the changeover, um, you know, there's all different rules with that, whereas, you know, nothing can leave your box, but you're also, unless they put carpet down, you, you're standing on a slippery surface. So you got to like take your skis off without them sliding away and, and all this stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, change, change over time is definitely a, a, an entertaining bit as well. <laughs> Sounds like it. Definitely keep an eye on that. I mean, just in terms of, I guess, going in there with goals sort of as you were talking about, Barbara got 33rd in the 10K back in Pyeongchang, which I believe is the best result ever by an Australian female at Olympics. Is, is that something that... You, you look at and think in any event that like it would be great to, to top 33rd to, to, to create an Australian sort of record at an Olympics or is that something that comes secondary versus, say, setting yourself other goals and, and if that happens, that's obviously a bonus? Yeah, I don't think I go out to kind of like uh, set groundbreaking achievements for Australia, you know. Um, you know, I'm there. I'm so like proud to be representing my country but then also wanting to like, you know, be able to have the achievements that I'm proud of. So, um, you know, obviously it would be great to be able to, be able to have the highest uh, result for an Australian skier but, um, you know, if, I, if I've had a good race as well, that's not going to be the determining factor of how I kind of feel about that race. I would love to know what it is about the Norwegians and this sport, Casey, because seriously, every time the Olympics roll around, I swear they're, all their 50 gold medals they win are all in cross-country and biathlon. I mean, is there something that you feel is in the water in Norway and are they very open? Like, can you go to the Norwegian team and just be like, hey, from Australia, we're not Norway when it comes to cross-country. If you help me out in cross-country, then... Like, we'll reciprocate, we'll help you in swimming, like, you know, come the Summer Olympics or something like that. Can we make a deal with the Norwegians when it comes to cross-country skiing to help us out a bit? Oh, I don't know. I have to have to say um, I've had, like, some interactions with them, not a huge amount. Um, you know, on World Cup, we kind of just 
get put into accommodation and not always like in the same hotels as them. Uh, the times I have stayed with them, I've typically been the solo Australian and they kind of just accept me as this like kind of like lonely, <laughs> lonely person. <laughs> like, oh, come sit with us. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so that that's generally my interactions with them. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's just the culture around that in, in Norway and you know you know you talk to most Australians and say you're a cross-country skier and they're like I don't know what you're talking about whereas you go there and um every man and their dog is out cross-country skiing every day after work so um it's just a very different cultural aspect and um yeah potentially there's something in the water who knows (laughs) well I just just Norway's starting to scare me a bit because we just saw in Tokyo they're doing well in summer sports now too. They're winning triathlons. They're winning, you know, <laughs> athletics events. And I know as Australians we win winter events, but not to the extent that Norway are doing it. Like it's just, I don't know, I feel like there needs to be some sort of balance going on here that like Norway can't become the new USA and, and Russia and Germany and dominate both. Like Norway has the Winter Olympics. They can't have both, yeah. cases. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Oh, I totally agree. But I think, you know, I think we did pretty well for ourselves in Tokyo. So Oh, absolutely. I think, I think absolutely. we've definitely given ourselves a bit of a, a buffer at the moment. And so, yeah, um, yeah ho- hopefully it can hold us off to maybe the next summer games. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good point. Good point when it comes to that. I, I'd, I'd love to know, I, I remember we spoke to Calum a little bit. I, I was talking to him about Nordic Combined. I, I'm a big Nordic Combined fanboy and you know we have had one competitor back in 1960 the great Hal Nadal a Norwegian who came to Australia of course and competed for Australia Mm -hmm. is there ever a temptation that you could pick up a bit of ski jumping on the side and then bring back the great Nordic combined sport for Australia come Milan like you know any potential there for that Casey (laughs) oh I don't know if I'd be able to go off those jumps they're they're insane. Like, <laughs> uh, I also think I'm probably a bit too heavy to be a good jumper. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd be making it very far. So probably not the best person to be asking to do that. Um, but, you know, we, we have had some other athletes. We have Ben Sim and Jackson Bursal, um, uh, probably about eight, eight years ago maybe, um, who were doing a bit of Nordic combined. Um, so, you know, we have had some who have tried to jump, but, you know, it's kind of hard when we don't have access to ski jumps in Australia. Um, so it's not really something we can kind of get the juniors, you know, really pumped yeah. up about when they physically can't do it. <laughs> not too so, much. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we had a couple of... um cross-country and then, yeah, if they decide to defect over there, then, you know, they, they can go. <laughs> it works, yeah. We, we had a couple of uh, US and Canadian ski jumpers on recently and, and ski jumping is, now that we've got Tali and Dean in curling, ski jumping is the only winter sport that Australia has never had an athlete in. So I'm thinking that if we get maybe some of you guys across to the the Nordic combined, <laughs> get practicing on the ski jumping, have one Olympics in Nordic combined and then go, okay, come 2030, we can create the history and I'll be Australia's first ever ski jumping athlete. So, you know, whether that's yourself, whether, you know, you can get Jess on board or any of the other guys, like I'm just trying to, I'm thinking of these history making avenues that, that could potentially be for somebody out there from Australia. Yeah. Like I love, I love the attitude. Like that's great. Um, I think you just got to just find that special person that just loves pointing their skis straight. <laughs> going yes. really fast and then launching into the air. Um, good luck with that endeavour. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And, and and also the other endeavour too 
as a proud Tasmanian, we are the only state or territory never to have had a Winter Olympian. So, again, I mean, maybe, again, just I'll put my hand up. I'll be the ski jumping yeah. athlete from Tasmania, tick off two boxes all at once, you know? Yeah, I'll teach you how to cross-country ski, so then you can go the hey. Nordic combined. There we go. Exactly. Easy. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, again, I, I never like to share my skiing story, which I lasted like ten seconds and whipped out when I did go skiing one time. But hey, look, I can, I can, I can practice that. I can see how it goes. out. before wrap up with some uh, get to know you style questions. One thing that I like learning about you is that you're you're into crochet and you like to make yeah. headbands. How how does this come about? And and is this do you have like an Etsy store where people can check out your headbands, or or do you, you make them for your teammates? Kind of what what goes on with that? Yeah, um, I think we were in Sweden, uh, you know, quite a few years ago and just kind of bored. So um, <laughs> we, we went down to the supermarket and found some wool and a crochet hook and just loaded YouTube and, and just taught ourselves how to crochet. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely something I just kind of do um, during my recovery time, just, you know, yeah, just to keep myself busy. Uh, I haven't really sold many, but... I wouldn't, I would also don't want to like talk up my skills. I can literally only do straight lines. So <laughs> um, I'm not that talented as like a lot of other people are who can do like fancy patterns and make hats. Um, yeah, de- definitely not that good. And apparently I've taught myself how to do it left-handed. I guess because I was just mirroring YouTube. And <laughs> um, so yeah, not, not the person to ask to teach you either. Um, yeah, I am very, very like, robust in my skills in that I can make a headband and that's about it. <laughs> well, I think do do a Tom Daly, sit in the stands when you're not competing and just crochet. You know, he got a lot yeah. of attention knitting in the stands. So you could be doing that. You could be the crocheting like cross-country skier. Like, well, he was knitting a pouch for his medal and that looked a bit more intricate than anything I'll ever be able to do. <laughs> well, you can knit a headband for your medal, Casey. I mean, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. Big. yeah, that's what it needs. <laughs> you know, we know all the Norwegians are going to have an off game now that we're putting the mickey on them. So, you know, yeah, they'll yeah, just... For sure. <laughs> exactly. They'll all catch COVID. No Norwegians will be there at the Olympics. And then, boom, Australia's in with a chance. We can do it. Well, it sounds like a few of them might have actually just tested positive. So it'd be interesting Ooh. to see what happens. Yeah. Oh, all right. We definitely yeah. have a chance. Come on. All right. <laughs> this is what you get, Norway. Don't be good at summer. You jinx yourself <laughs> in your in your actual events. Uh, another thing, actually, too, uh, we, we often have a question when it comes into our final questions. But I saw you're a bit of a Richmond supporter, Casey. Now, I just... I bring this up. I'm not a Richmond supporter, but I've always have a soft spot for the Tigers just because generally they're the team that you kind of feel sorry for because they never won. But now that you've won so much, it's weird that there's cocky Richmond supporters. Like, I don't know. Is, is that a thing that you notice now as a Richmond supporter that people aren't as friendly to you as they maybe were like five years ago when they maybe felt sorry for you back then? Oh, I don't know. Um, Maybe. Uh, I guess like I spent like a lot of that time where like, you know, Richmond was winning in Alaska and trying to convince my teammates that <laughs> AFL was a real sport and that they should be barracking for the Tigers and majority of like, oh, watching rugby. I'm like, no, no very <laughs> not the same sports. Like rugby it is. I'm like, ah, oh, give up. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like may, maybe we don't get quite as much sympathy sympathy votes, but um, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard uh, AFL follower. Like I definitely like watching a game and and you know do support the Tigers. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they're just so jealous. <laughs> yeah, well that that's it. I mean, look, yeah. I'm a Carlton supporter, and growing up, you know, we did well. 
now we don't. So no. uh, I feel people <laughs> people feel sorry for us now, and that's weird. It's like, well, yeah. we're generally pretty good. Don't feel sorry for us. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Now, Casey said we'd like to wrap up a series of get-to-know-yourself questions. As always, these are based on a questionnaire that was given to Team Canadian Athletes ahead of Pyeongchang and also Rio. They didn't have any cross-country skiing athletes for me to use their questionnaire, so I've gone with Erin Malinsky. I'm probably butchering her name completely, an alpine skier. So uh, kind of this close get. As I always say in these, if you if you feel up to it, there is a drawing element. You don't have to. But Ooh, if you, I don't if you, think I have any drawing implements with me. Look, it can be homework. <laughs> you can do it this afternoon and send it oh, in yeah, to okay. us. Sure. Yeah, with a couple of the bobsled girls did it. So, you know, just uh, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're keen. You'll all right. see my artistic skills come shine. There you yeah. go. Exactly. <laughs> I like this. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what they are in a moment, but we'll start off with the first question. Your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Oh, I think it's going to have to be Alyssa Camplin's gold medal in the aerials in Salt Lake. Great answer. I like it. Is it something that... When you first meet her, going back to what you're saying, like, do you fangirl out a little bit? Do you do you have to ask her a million yeah. and one questions about it? And just does she reciprocate? Does she answer everything that you got to ask her? Um, I guess like my fangirling is like kind of like deer in the headlights situation. Where it's like <laughs> you're there, I'm here. Like we're near each other. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I respond. But um, you know, she yeah, she obviously just has like so much experience you know, and is just so happy to be that mentor figure. And, um, you know, we'll pick up on like your mildly freaking slash fangirl and fangirling out. And it's like, it's okay, calm down. Like, <laughs> let's meet. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, no, she, yeah, just a great human to be around for sure. Fantastic. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, I'd definitely be flying. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. Um, flying hands down <laughs> i'd always like to know like if you could fly like do you just yeah i'm bored it's you know eight o'clock on a wednesday oh, i'm just gonna bugger off to prague or something like that or is it just one of these <laughs> things that you strategically use right like i, I, guess I don't it know how fast you can fly you know true that's Dropping very off, true like hopping off to prague might be more than just like a eight o'clock on a wednesday night kind yeah. of yeah like Live. if you're Superman <laughs> speed, sure. But if you're like flying, you, you know, like, like bird, 60 k's yeah. an hour. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then it's also a case of, is it acceptable? Like are people staring going, oh my God, there's a woman flying. Or is it just kind of like, oh, that's just Casey. There she is just having a fly. You know, like all the questions that are around that. Uh, your favorite sports movie is? Ooh. Um, I think think it's probably probably the art of flight um which is like ah. a snowboarding documentary um yep. which was my favorite growing up and would always love to watch it and then um a lot of us actually filmed in alaska which i never kind of cued in on until i like was moving to alaska and i watched it again i was like oh i'm going there that's amazing <laughs> um wow. and that kind of like made me really want to go there even more so yeah Great. definitely the art of flight <laughs> I always like to compare, you know, think about other, you know, athletes we're talking to if they've got movies based on their sport. And if I can't think of one off the top of my head, I always just go to James Bond and think, has James Bond done it? I mean, James Bond's done biathlon, 
which is half cross country, and he skied a lot. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of counts, right? Like we can take it. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. There's a there's a winter aspect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that that's how it works. I, I mean, is that uh, biathlon versus cross country? Is there like a real strong rivalry between? Them? I know we've had some biathlon biathletes on recently, and we kind of asked the other way around. But like, mm-hmm. what do cross country skiers think of biathletes? Um, I don't think there's a huge rivalry between us. Like we're pretty similar. It's just that they like to shoot in the middle of their races yeah. when we just like <laughs> ski. Um, yeah, like I don't know. Like I I got to go on a biathlon range a few years ago, and I hadn't actually been on one or like shot a rifle and and had a go at shooting, and I couldn't believe like how small the targets were. I was like, how do you, how do you guys do this? Like in the middle of a race, like um, so definitely like yeah, mad respect to them to be able to do that. It, yeah, kind of like was very eye-opening. <laughs> I, I always think the Nordic Combine needs to get rid of cross-country and make a biathlon to add it even more difficult, right? Ooh. Like just three <laughs> three sports in one, you know, the, the winter the, version the, of the modern pentathlon. There you go. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly right. So <laughs> just saying, ISE, if you're listening, you can have that idea. Uh, now, the first picture element, draw a picture of yourself. So there you go. Uh, it, it can be in any form here. I can see Erin's drawn a picture of her on a stand-up paddleboard. So I, I okay. don't know. Okay, all right. Yeah. Remember, remember that one. Remember that one. Uh, your yep. funniest childhood memory is? Uh, not as a drawing element, as a talking. No, yeah. this is this is just this is go go for oh, it now, yeah. Oh, I mean, um, you can draw it if you want to afterwards. No, that's I mean. okay. I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to draw this. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so as I said, my parents are outdoor ed teachers. And so um, me and my brother, we grew up on school camps. So, um, yeah, we grew up in the Yarra Valley. Um, we are living on Melbourne High School school camp where my dad was running. Um, and I think one day we are playing on the Flying Fox. So dad set it up and we are having fun going up and down. And, um, yeah, our dog at the time, Abby, she was like, just a typical camp dog would just like roam, roam the grounds and just loved life. Uh, she was a black lab and um, we hadn't seen her for a bit. That wasn't uncommon anyway. So we hadn't seen her for a little bit longer and so we're starting to get a bit worried. So we were calling out, trying to find her. And we just heard these muffled barks and we we're just like, Where, what is this? And worked out it was coming from underneath our feet and we're just like, what, what is happening? She'd actually like were gone in a wombat burrow and would just made her all, whole way in till she'd found the wombat and wow. was just barking at it underground. So then ended up being a bit of the rescue mission of dad trying to get into the wombat burrow to pull the dog out. Wow. <laughs> um, That's crazy. Yeah. A little, a little bit stressful at the time. Cause we we're just like, we're just going to have to like dig from the top to get her out, but ended up all, all good in the wow. end. Wow. Good news. All right. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. That's a very Australian story too, just burrowing. Very for Australian for sure. Yeah, I like that. Uh, your favourite pump-up song is? Ooh. Um, oh, I've got like a pretty good playlist, but I guess at the moment, uh, honestly, Client Liaison is kind of my favourite. So, um, I think the real thing at the moment has been played on repeat quite a bit before any interval sessions. So, nice. um, yeah, that's at the top of my playlist of my pump up tunes heading into Beijing. And is that, so you've got the AirPods in beforehand, just kind of getting yourself in the zone or is it more of a, you do that before you get out on to the course? Yeah, like definitely like, you know, when you're getting changed and you're putting your race suit on, like before we, before we leave, like that's definitely a good opportunity to have some good tunes playing. And then, um, and then the drive there, I usually don't ski with headphones in, um, just, 
you know, there's too much going on. <laughs> I Can don't you? want to get like are you allowed to? By, by a Norwegian or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so, well, you know what the Norwegians yeah. are like, right? Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, um, are you allowed yeah. to? Have oh, we can't in? race in them, but you can warm up in them for sure. Right. Okay. Is there yeah. much sledging involved, be it on the course or like in the, in the lead up? And if so, like, is it the Norwegians? Are the Norwegians the ones who are doing? I just I'm just shitting on all the Norwegians today, apparently. But uh, you know. Yeah. Um. Not not so much sledging, I guess. Um. You know, I think there's there's always banter. Like I think uh, the Brit the Brits like to have a few digs at us and that's always fun, really but, um, okay yeah yeah they're they're, they're good in that <laughs> um what, what is it about the brits that make them want it like do they just is it just that british australian rivalry or i mean i i can't imagine the brits are that great at cross-country skiing they're only good on ice sports in the winter olympics no like they're, they're actually quite strong at cross-country and definitely um Potentially could be medal potentials in, in this. Really? In these wow. Yeah, so they've okay. Got, got three guys and and they're very strong. So um, don't be surprised if if there's some Brits up near that podium. I don't know least. if I can accept that. I'm sorry. Like it's all well and good for me to say about the Norwegian summer sports, but Britain winning medals in cross country skiing. Like I mean, what is the world coming to? Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I guess like you know, out out on the course as well. Like um, especially in the mass start events. Um. You know, you, you're skiing quite close to everyone and if you're skiing on someone's poles or hitting their skis or anything like that, uh, the skier in front of you will be more than comfortable to turn around and tell you to, like, F off or or whatever in in, in whatever language they have. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, like, you kind of you, you just got to, like, you know, put up the brave face and not want to cry when someone's yelling at you for doing the wrong thing. Like, I didn't mean to. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, yeah, usually the the on course mics don't pick up on that, but uh, yeah, yeah, they lip read. We need to lip read, basically. What's yeah, being lip read. Said. You can you can see it sometimes. Okay, <laughs> if All someone's right. been a pain to the skier in front of them, um, they yeah, they will turn around and let you know about it. <laughs> wow, I, I bet you learn some uh, great swear words in different languages uh, then, kind <laughs> of pretty quickly. It's a good place to learn for sure. <laughs> Yeah, wow. The Scandinavian word for fuck is probably, uh, you know, very much on the on the tip of the tongue. The most recent TV show that you binge watched is. Ooh, uh, I'm I'm kind of like I like to stick to the classics, and for me, that's The Office, and I pretty much just have that on repeat all the time. That's my comfort zone, and especially you know the last few weeks where it's been a little bit stressful with like selection, and now. Um, you know, leading, like, you know, final training preparations and just trying to avoid COVID in, in every possible way. Um, just kind of find comfort in the office. <laughs> now, is this US or UK or a bit of both? Oh, US. Yeah, yeah. US? Or, yeah, US all the way. <laughs> Which, when we had Tali and Dean on, they're big Friends fans and we're trying to get them to go viral by being the curlers who drop Friends quotes. You could be the cross-country skier who drops office quotes. So... Just saying, oh, you know, yeah, that's what she yeah. said as you're bumping into someone. I, I don't know, like, you could just drop some of these things along the way, go viral. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fit it in wherever you can. Your least favourite foods are? Um, uh, probably have to be tomatoes. Ah, yes. Don't mind them in things but just can't deal with them 
anywhere yep. else. <laughs> yep. No, I'm with yep. you there. Just uh, yeah. Oh, and, and, and sultanas. Yeah. Oh, so, really? Okay. Interesting. The the yeah. thing that's bothering yeah. about tomato is when, say, if you order a burger or a sandwich, and it's got all the ingredients right, but there are some places that think tomato is obviously a staple, so they don't need to list it as an ingredient. So then you get yeah, it. Yeah, they have to pull and, it out. And you're like, yeah. dude, like this wasn't on your ingredients list. I would have asked for it without tomato if I knew it was in it. Like it's just. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because it gets everywhere. It's all the juices and just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely no. with you there. If just you crap. weren't, yeah, just cr- absolutely. If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Ooh. Um, hmm. Mm. Don't know. I'd probably just be a beach bum, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Too much snow in your life. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, like I'm just getting to the point now. It's like, oh, I'm sick of being cold. I just want some <laughs> summer. Like got three weeks left of winter and then I'm going and just sitting on the beach <laughs> yep, and surfing yep. every day. So Going um, that way. Yeah, I think, I think you know, it's kind of hard. I think I would be an athlete anyway, like some kind of sport because, um, that's pretty much all I do <laughs> apart from like, you know, working or study or w- whatever, like, um, you know, that, that, that's where you find me if I'm not at home. <laughs> well, you get, get into the surfing enough, uh, Paris, 2024, yeah. Los Angeles, 2028, yep. you could be a dual Olympian, uh, dual, uh, winter, summer, you know, Olympian join the select group of people that have done that for Australia. So yeah, options, there. <laughs> options, uh, your favorite vacation spot is. Ooh, um, wouldn't say I've been on like a huge amount of holidays recently. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, ooh, probably, um, you know, the last holiday I went on was to Queenstown in, in New Zealand. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, New Zealand, you know, I'm, I'm dual citizen with Australia and New Zealand. My mum's a Kiwi. Uh, so, um, nice. you know, that holds a special place in my heart. And so I think that's probably where, where I'm going to head to when borders open and I can finally go on holiday. Um, but then again, I think anywhere where there's a beach as well, don't want to be like too picky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just, if you ever run for politics, make sure you disclose that you're a dual citizen. We don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, does <laughs> New Zealand try and, did, did they try and steal you away? Have they tried to like get you to come compete for them at an Olympics? No, well, yeah, like, you know, Australia, skiing in Australia is quite small and then skiing in New Zealand is even smaller. So, um, yeah, so not not yet, but, you know, who knows, m- maybe next games I'll, hey. I'll wear silver fern. <laughs> go, go, you know, like as long as you've worn the green and gold first and, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not Britain. It's not Britain. No, now. it's Come not. On now. Or Norway, like, you know, we're, we're, we're working that one out. Uh, what's something that people usually describe you as? Oh, um, I guess it depends who you're asking, but I think like a majority of my friends, um, just think I'm like, just slightly insane for like the training and, and every kind of punishment I put my body through. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they've kind of accepted that that's me and they're just like, oh, don't worry. That's just Casey doing her thing. Just, you know, let her go. <laughs> She'll yep. be back at some point. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, I like to, you know, like think of myself as just kind of like that, you know, easygoing, like, you know, enjoying what I do and enjoying doing it with people too. Slightly insane as well. Just, yeah, slightly I, insane. I, I enjoy I enjoy that. Um, the next drawing for you to mark down is draw a place from your hometown 
Well, they say province being Canada, but obviously that would be state. Yeah. So draw a place from your hometown or home state. So Ooh, okay, yeah, that's actually the yeah. first time I've seen that one as an option. And I tell you one thing, Erin's done a pretty good job of this. It's like a lake with leaves and trees, and done very good job here. So pressure. I think one of my teammates has um he got given a, a painting like a one dollar painting kit that you give to ah. like, you know, kids uh, for, for Christmas from our secret Santa. So maybe we'll have to borrow his paints. And, and, you might. And <laughs> it's bound to come in handy someday. And yeah, now here's sure. the day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, this is this is perfect. Uh, we kind of touched on this in, in some way. If, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it mm-hmm. be? Yeah, I think I'm just going to have to go back to surfing. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know an opportunity just to to follow to live on the beach and and yeah surf every day. It's pretty way, pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> Tahiti for Paris, of course. So I mean, not a not a bad spot to go. And not don't know where they're going to be. Not, not don't know where they're going to be doing in uh, LA, but I can't imagine they're going to be struggling to find a beach in California somewhere to do some surfing. So I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, and then Brisbane. I mean, again, similar issue. Where which beach do they choose? Basically, so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Pick pick any of them there. Uh, now, the last word of question. There's one more drawing element, but yeah. your guilty pleasure. Like this isn't just food. This is this is anything. What is your guilty pleasure? Ooh, um, I think I'm gonna have to just resort back to food, and that's definitely chocolate. <laughs> ah, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm a person who can like survive when I don't like if I don't have it, but if I get it, then I'll just eat the whole block at once. Um, no <laughs> what's, your, what's your guilty? What's your favorite sort of block that you go to? Oh, uh, top deck, Cadbury's top Ooh. deck. Yeah. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Good answer. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. I always ask these questions and I get hungry. It's it's my own fault really for doing it. Uh, the last the last picture element, the drawing, is draw a picture of your favorite animal. And Erin's drawn oh. an elephant again. Another great picture. She's done a very good job of this elephant, but uh, you know, so so. Okay, just all right. Pressure. Chant, chant you got it locked. <laughs> all right. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing this. Uh, Casey, before we let you go, people want to follow you during Beijing and and beyond. Social media, websites, anything along those lines, where people can sort of stay up to date with your your progress and everything else. Yeah, probably. Uh, Instagram. Instagram is the best go to. So it's Casey. The letter K C dot right, um, and yeah, you can follow along there. I I yeah, try try to put up a bit of, um, you know what what we do as cross country skiers, and then you know kind of all the other fun adventures I like to have along the way. Great, I, I saw some of the videos recently from just the the squad in general. I mean, it looks like all of you are having a blast being named to the team. So I think this is something that as Australians watching Beijing, we need to keep a close eye on all six of you because you look like you guys are the life of the party. I mean, snowboarders and freestyle skiers. Oh, look at them doing fancy tricks. Get on board team cross country skiing. That's what I say. Yeah, uh, yeah. The boy, the boys recently released a little music video. We have been known in the past to release some. Um, you know, a few years ago there was a. Katy Perry, uh, I Kissed a Girl parody. So um, if you do want to, like, have a good laugh, jump on YouTube. Um, and, yes, all under AusXC or Australian Cross Country Ski Team. And, oh, we'll um, yeah, they recently, recently put out a new one. So they're hoping for it to go viral. So this is my this is my plug for them. <laughs> we'll help it out. We'll, we'll put it up on our socials just so it can uh, go out there a little bit as well. So uh, absolutely get on board with it. Casey, in all seriousness, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Obviously, so close to the games. We really do appreciate giving us your time 
time in, in, a, in a moment where obviously things are getting very uh, hectic for you and about to go into competition zone. But best of luck for everything into these Olympics. We're really looking forward to seeing you and the entire Australian cross-country team and the entire Australian Olympic team, of course, compete. And uh, we'll get you back on and we'll, we'll talk about beating all the damn Norwegians. Let's, let's just say it that way. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And a massive thanks there to Casey for her time. Obviously, uh, so close to Beijing. We definitely appreciate her sitting down to chat. And, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Britain potentially winning cross-country skiing medals. This is just this is just strange. I just, I just don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But uh, I guess, who knows, eventually we... Uh, we have to uh, accept some of these things and uh, potentially we could be seeing some history being made when it comes for cross-country skiing. They've never, ever won a cross-country skiing medal. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. I say Australia does it first. Come on, Casey. Come on, Team Australia. Win those cross-country skiing medals. Come Beijing. We've got so much still to come for you, of course. The Beijing Games is days away. Of course, our big Beijing preview episode will be dropping the day before the opening ceremony, as will our Athletes to Watch episode, in which we basically play all the clips of all the athletes that we've had on before Beijing. And, of course, I will reiterate that it's just between Pyeongchang and Beijing. So athletes that we had on before Pyeongchang, who we haven't had on since, but who are returning to the Olympics. We won't be including clips from them. But just kind of a, an idea of who we've had on and their mindset talking about the Olympics and, and where they're feeling at, of course, in various stages of getting closer to the game. So that would be a fun one. And then as we've been having daily episodes anyway for the last couple of weeks, daily episodes, of course, every day we'll be doing a review as we always do during the Olympic Games and right through to the closing ceremony. Then we'll do a wrap episode and it's just, it's going to be incredibly busy, but we love every single second of it. We're going to bring you in-depth coverage. We've got some new things coming for these Olympics as well. So uh, very, very excited for everything that is coming through your speakers and a big interview of course that we are dropping the last athlete interview that we will have before our preview on athletes watch episode the legendary apollo ono short track speed skater from the u.s of course everybody may remember him from that famous 1000 meter race back in salt lake he was a guy who finished second to stephen bradbury he's one of the ones that fell over everyone of course fell over and bradbury won the gold but an esteemed one of the greatest speed skaters short track speed skaters of all time the most decorated u.s winter olympian of all time and a great chat with apollo ono that we will drop this week as well so stay tuned for that social media off the podium find us on facebook twitter instagram youtube if you want a video version of this interview of course hit us up on youtube and while you're online go to all the good podcast channels search off the podium subscribe leave us some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show rate us as well it does help us get out there a little bit more and remember vote for us in the sports podcast awards you hear the plug before and after this episode sportspodcastawards.com we're up for best olympic and paralympic podcast all you have to do is register you jump online click vote now click best olympic and paralympic category Click on off the podium. Boom, that's done. You have voted for us, and we very much would appreciate the support out there. So please get on board. Get us up the podium, on the podium rather than off the podium. That's what I said at the beginning, isn't it? So we would very much appreciate that out there. Big thanks again to KC. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. My name is Ben. This is Off the Podium. As always, shout out to Jason Momoa. And remember, go left.
What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm really going to go now. Bye.